Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Alberta Premier Jason Kenney criticizes Canada's chief public health officer and says he won't wait for Health Canada's approval of tests and vaccines. The direction I've given our officials is that if we see a a highly credible uh, regulator of medications in a peer jurisdiction like the European Union, Australia or the United States that has approved a test um, or a vaccine or, tr- or medication, we should pursue that. We should not wait for Health Canada to catch up. The federal government puts more focus on protecting the elderly. The key recommendations include measures such as restricting visitors and volunteers to only those deemed essential for basic medical or compassionate resident care. Screenings before every staff shift or essential visitor, entry and daily for residents. Farmers and food processors are given $50 million to make sure temporary foreign workers comply with mandatory quarantines. In many regions on the country, the production of food, particularly fresh fruits and vegetables, relies on the contribution of experienced temporary foreign workers, right from planting season to harvest. We count on them to fill our shelves. It's Tuesday, April 14th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. Susan, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. Let's start with Jason Kenney. The Alberta Premier had some strong words for Dr. Theresa Tam about the advice she gave Canadians when this all began and said he's he's going to go rogue a little bit. Those are my words, but uh, he's, he's not going to wait for Health Canada to approve medications, vaccines or tests. He's going to go to uh, other countries and see what they've done. And Alberta is going to kind of act alone in some respects on this. Uh, what do you make of that? Well, as with everything with Jason Kenney, I find this fascinating um, because what it, it you know up until now we have basically had Prime Minister Theresa Tam that um, the federal government has talked that you know everything every decision that is being made is in her hands. She has been very front and center on this. She is the face of the pandemic response on TV. Um, And this is Jason Kenney taking, um, I I don't think it's personal, I do think it's political, but it is, it is federal provincial tension, it is, um, it is saying it is the job of politicians to uh, be a check on public servants, which is how Jason Kenney operated when he was a cabinet minister in Ottawa too. Um, and it is very different. It is a big distinction between liberals and conservatives in this country that, um, at least as we've seen over the last 10, 15 years, is that the liberals are far more reliant on a public service, and Jason Kenney is one of the people who believes that politicians have to check uh, public servants. So this was incredibly fascinating to me that that he would say this at this point, um, that uh, Dr. Tam doesn't know everything. And in fact, she may have made mistakes in all of this. Uh, Certainly the federal government is not going to like that, but uh, it tells me that cracks are emerging in that um, national consensus. 
There is a lot of concern, obviously, about the fate of seniors in this country during this crisis, particularly those living in in uh, long-term care facilities and retirement residences. Uh, what is the government doing about that? What can be done to protect seniors from this virus? Well, again, you saw some, a few cracks in federal-provincial consensus on this yesterday, too, because it, the federal government was saying gently this is a provincial responsibility, um, so all we can do is set guidelines, and it's up to the provinces. You see, the provinces are very, at least the premiers, are very angry about this. Some of us, I think, who have um, had uh, relatives in care homes know about the strains on the system, that this was a weak link in our social safety net. And uh, what I am hoping, again, with my sunny, optimistic way, is that... Um, that even after the pandemic, we're going to have to have a conversation. And and uh, Premier Legault was interesting on this yesterday about how much we value the workers in there. The fact that um, that people were roaming around working at several care homes is uh, it is a strange way to work. First of all, that but this was the norm. This is the norm in Canada, or at least it is. Uh, in Ontario anyway, is that people had to work at several care homes to make a a full-time salary. And that was responsible for the transmission of a lot of it from home to home. Not just that people are vulnerable, but that that's where it was traveling, along with staff. So I think think what you're going to see after this is uh, certainly, I I think that's going to be the first area of the crackdown is is this um, multiple place working is uh, is going to be regulated away, and maybe we're going to talk about giving them proper financing and proper staffing, because I, I do think um, any of us who've uh, who've gone had uh, relatives in care homes know that they only exist on the patience and generosity of the people who are working there. Let's talk a little bit about the temporary foreign workers in this country as well, another vulnerable group and, and one that um, the evidence shows uh, wasn't uh, able to respect the uh, social distancing guidelines or adhere to them. Uh, the government is stepping in with some funding for this, and it's another example of uh, the patchwork solution, and I don't say that in a negative way, but uh, the, the different ways that the government is being forced to provide help in order to address some of the challenges that are resulting from this lockdown. Yeah, it is so interesting the ways we are learning in which our our economy and society has been vulnerable. One is I don't think until now, we have realized how much the whole country is living paycheck to paycheck, um, and that two to four weeks interruption in that can cause havoc. Uh, and another one is our reliance. We've had this debate in Canada before about temporary workers, um, about the place of them. Certainly, it, it, it does seem strange in a country that is massively laying off people that we are also importing labor, um, that that. But as as people have been pointing out, these are skilled workers. They're not unskilled. These are this is a there is a whole uh, tranche of people who are coming through our economy yearly to do jobs, frankly, that Canadians don't do. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we. I, I think there was some discussion you saw yesterday on why do we need to pay for companies that will be making money in in all of this, which is agriculture. We're gonna. 
uh, we're going to be incredibly reliant on on homegrown agriculture. Unfortunately, again, another revelation of this pandemic is we are incredibly reliant on people outside the country to get that job done, which you know should make us look at ourselves. There was a lot of discussion on social media yesterday about the recent travels of the Prime Minister and Conservative leader Andrew Scheer. Scheer flew to Ottawa on a government jet to be here this this past weekend for the session in the House of Commons. A couple of other MPs were on that flight as well, but Scheer brought his family back to Ottawa with him, which was his intention to have them uh, with him in Ottawa as he relocates to Ottawa now for the rest of the of the spring. Uh, but that meant that they were all on a government jet together. Every seat on the flight was taken, a small plane. And uh, many people are pointing out that doesn't respect the social distancing uh, guidelines that have been put in place. Meanwhile, the Prime Minister traveled to uh, his cottage over the weekend with his family. Uh, there are pictures of them there. And some people are saying that doesn't respect the rules that the chief public health officer set out, telling people not to go to their cottages at this time. So uh, is it is this a big deal? There was a lot of chatter on social media, but... Is it significant, uh, and uh, do our leaders need to sort of model the behavior that we're being asked to to adhere to? Well, absolutely. Um, this is not a, a time where people are going to have any patience for "don't do as I do, do as I say." Uh, that uh, that the I think the very least the uh, if you're going to cram a bunch of people into a plane to get here. Uh, they could have obeyed the, the advice from Dr. Teresa Tam, which is wear a mask when you can't do social distancing. So um, I think uh, the tolerance, I think, of people for politicians getting um, a, a get-out-of-jail-free uh, card while all the rest of us are making sacrifices, I think there is zero patience for that. And that's not a new concept. That is not the decline of deference in society. We saw the Queen repaired trucks during the Second World War. People understand that when uh, you were asking people to make huge sacrifices that you've got to do it yourself. I think everybody, um, uh, regardless of party stripe there, has got to give their heads a shake. All right, Susan, I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks, Mark. You too. That's Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. Let me give you the scenario that we're faced with right now. For a small business to get a wage subsidy covering his March payroll, he will have to wait until May. That's right. A wage subsidy in May to cover wages paid out in March. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. At cbc.ca, John Newbley and Regan Watts argue restarting the economy is not as simple as just turning the lights back on. They write... Canada is likely going to be fighting the effects of this pandemic for a while, yet it remains uncertain for how long. The economy will adjust as it gains momentum, but there will be variations in how quickly different sectors recover. The timing of getting back to business is key to ensuring the hardest-hit sectors are able to rebound and recover. And as Canada rallies with our all-hands-on-deck response and governments start moving to reboot the economy, We should use this opportunity to lead Canada into a new economic era. In an editorial, the Toronto Star considers the spread of the coronavirus in long-term care homes. The Star writes, This disease disproportionately affects elderly people 
and those with pre-existing medical conditions, and it thrives in close quarters. Across Canada, roughly half the deaths from COVID-19 are linked to long-term care homes, and the number of deaths in these facilities is expected to keep on rising. Learning as a crisis evolves and adapting responses to changing needs is, of course, what all governments must do. Our most vulnerable residents deserve no less. In the Globe and Mail, John Ibbotson asks us to remember Alberta's generosity because it will need Canada's help in the months ahead. Ibbotson writes, People in Ontario and Quebec need to remember that when their industries were on the ropes in the last recession, Alberta's oil wealth helped sustain the national economy, just as ventilators and masks from Alberta are helping them fight COVID-19 today. With threats from a recession and low oil prices, the onus is on the rest of Canada to come to the rescue until the prairies get back on their feet again. Let the rest of Canada be there for Alberta, just as Alberta has always been there for the rest of us. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. Conservative leader Andrew Scheer will speak with reporters on Parliament Hill this morning about his party's continuing efforts to get more accountability out of the Trudeau government. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark, Conservative leader Andrew Scheer will meet with reporters at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, and he'll no doubt focus on two things. First of all, more accountability from the Trudeau government through some form of regular question period involving some number of MPs returning on a semi-regular basis and actually sitting in the House of Commons, as opposed to the Trudeau government's proposal of a teleconference-type virtual House of Commons. Scheer will also no doubt continue to press the government on getting more money out to Canada's businesses more quickly than is currently forecast by the government. Now on the first topic, getting some form of regular question period, it's not clear how much leverage or power the Conservatives have, even with the support of the opposition parties, the other opposition parties, to persuade the government to act on that. After all, the government's already passed the second major part of its emergency legislation this past weekend when MPs sat for an emergency session. On the second issue, trying to get more money out to Canadian businesses faster, expect Mr. Scheer to propose an idea forwarded by one of his critics that instead of waiting for up to a month that some government sources have said it may take to give the salary subsidy to business owners, that the government allow companies to immediately borrow the full amount they need to pay employees' salaries from another emergency program that the government has already got up and running the $40,000 immediate special loans for businesses. The idea would be be to let businesses immediately draw down as much money as they need to keep their workers being paid their salaries, and that would be effective immediately. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will start the day in private meetings before giving his daily update on the coronavirus situation. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, April the 14th. Tune into CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today for coverage of the coronavirus crisis and tonight for primetime politics. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.